0: Hi friends, I'm Rob Teigen
1: and I'm Joanna and this is the Growing Home Together podcast.
0: We're caring for the soul of your family, helping you grow closer to God
1: and each other. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. If you spent any time with us over here, you've figured out that Rob and I are passionate about books. Rob has worked in the publishing industry for almost 30 years And we love to interview writers whose books are changing lives and share them with you. And in our own home, we have found books to be a powerful way to connect with our kids and grow as a family.
0: Yeah, some of my favorite memories as a dad is reading bedtime stories to our kids, Um, all the laughter and the deep conversations that we've been able to have through reading together. Books have been a way for me to disciple our kids, to bond with our kids, and to help my kids learn.
1: Right, and I'm sure that you too have experienced the value of books in your kids' lives, and you are not alone. Did you know that sales of children's books are pushing over $3.5 billion per year? Thousands of new titles hit the shelf each year, and it can leave us as parents confused about how to find the very best titles in the whole bunch to build our own home library.
0: Yeah, and that's why we're so excited to have today's guest, Kristen Winalda, with us today. Kristen is the creator of Big Books, Little Ears, a website chock full of Christian book reviews, tips for reading out loud to your kids, and activities to help books come to life for your children. Thank you, Kristen, for joining us today on the show.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, we're so glad you're with us, Kristen. Now, I remember when I first connected with you, how I was struck by the way that you read to your own kids, because you're the first person I know who discovered a way to not just read with your preschoolers, but to read chapter books with them. Uh, What made you decide to read books to your kids that most of us would assume were beyond their level?
2: So it's actually a reason that doesn't make me look very good, but mostly it boils down to the fact that when we had our first child, I was really struggling to connect with him in the toddler years. I just thought toddlerhood was so hard. And all I was doing was talking at him and trying to squeeze any time that I could away from him. And I knew that wasn't what I wanted to be as a parent. So I was at the library and saw this chapter book that had pictures. And I was like, that's it. We're going to try it. I know he's two years old. We are going to do it. And we read that thing one paragraph at a time before quiet time every day. And it was just him and me. And it was the first thing that I did that was like, oh, okay, this is what parenting for me, I want it to look like. Connection, time together, positive interaction. And that was kind of what kicked it off. And from there, I realized, oh, we can do this. And we haven't looked back. And now he's a big kid. And we have lots more kids in our home. And they've all um, just jumped right in and gotten on board with our chapter book reading.
0: That's so great. Yeah. I love how you're so purposeful and intentional about reading to your kids. And I know for me, before I jump into a new goal or activity, um, I want to kind of know the why behind it. So can you share, and you did a little bit, but can you share a little more why you believe reading is such an important experience to share with our kids?
2: So there's so many great benefits of reading that we know about from science, right? They talk about it's good for their brain, it's good for your family strength and connections and relationships together. But one of the main motivators for reading for us as Christians is that it is the perfect natural way to teach your kids what your family values. So, for example, if you're reading a book with a really loving, nurturing family, you can easily be like, oh, that's great. Look how they treat each other. God loves it when families treat each other like that. And that's how we try to treat you. Or if there's a character who's honest, even when it hurts them, you can easily mention oh that is so hard for me but I really admire that quality and so it's just the perfect opportunity to add in these natural short lessons to demonstrate what's important in our walk with God which is what we want for our kids we want them to understand that um, this is how we we try to live our lives and how we want them to live their lives and it's not like you need study guides or discussion questions or things like that you just need a good book and to be able to say, Hey, look at this. We want to be like this. (laughs) Or sometimes with a book, you might be like, Oh, look at that. And it will not go well for that character. If they keep doing that, we do not want to be like that. So I think that is one of the main motivators and the why for why reading good books is important.
0: Yeah, that's, that's great. So, so I know for me, when I step foot into the Barnes and Noble or open my book tab on Amazon, um, It's like jumping into an ocean of titles. You know, some might call it a title wave. Mm. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) Had to, you know, dad joke for your listening pleasure. (laughs) Anyway, there's just, there's so much to choose from. Um, So how do you, um, can you give us just some kind of framework to use when we're shopping for new books for our kids on what we can look for and how we can pick out the best of the best?
2: So my number one tip, is that every family is different. And what is okay for my family might not be okay for your family. And what is okay for your family might not be okay for my family. And that is okay. It is totally up to um, the parents to decide what is acceptable for your family. And the only wrong choice is to think that you don't have to make a choice on the content of the books. So for example, in our family, we don't do snark for talking back to parents without consequences in our books. And that gets rid of a lot of chapter series right now, especially (laughs) in the middle grade. Yeah, for sure. And that's okay. Your family might be able to handle snark. We can't, my kids can't handle, they can't handle reading a book with snark because then it shows up in their vocab and we don't do it. Um, Another example for a season, we had to take a break from books that had orphaned characters Because we had some things in our home um, and other children in our home that my kids kind of got a little fixated on that concept. And so for our family, that was a no-go. But for a lot of families, that would be totally fine. So you just have to think about what is okay for, for your family. Some things to think about, I would say, are snark and attitudes, probably number one. Other things are the types of marriages or relationships you are okay with your children being exposed to in books. For example, if you're a step parent, you might have really specific ways that you want step parents to be portrayed in books because the negative step parent is sort of a, you know, a a trope in a lot of books. So that would be a a thing to think about. Um, People having crushes. Are you okay with that? Or you just want platonic friendships and all of those things will change as your family changes, but it's important to keep all of that in mind.
0: Sure. So So was the, was the tidal wave joke? Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, so when you're evaluating a book for your child, but you haven't read the entire thing, is there something, some clues we can take hold of when we're just flipping through it um, at the bookstore or online uh, that are helpful in kind of screening things?
2: My number one tip is to read the final chapter because how the author pulls everything together will give you a sense of the overall tone of the book, right? Does it end in despair or does it end good conquers evil? Are there consequences for sin? That type of thing. So by reading the final chapter, that should give you a lot of context about what's in the book. And then if you just flip through and read the first paragraph of a couple chapters, normally that's where characters would be introduced and things like that. So that will give you a sense of who's in the book. And that's an easy way to read just a little bit, but get a taste. Oh, that's a great idea. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, I have this vivid memory of talking with my friend when way back when our boys were little and her son wanted to read a book that had her concerned that it would oppose the Bible's teaching. And, you know, she wasn't wrong because my son read that book and it actually did. (laughs) And he and I really had to dig into that and, um, not just let that go without addressing it. But my friend did not feel equipped to talk with her son about how the Bible compared to what was in the story. Uh, so how do you handle it when you do come across an idea in a book and that that idea does um, hit your kids' ears and it conflicts with the truths that you're teaching to your children?
2: Sure. So the first thing I do is we address it. And I think that's really important because if you ignore it, they're going to think it's fine. They're just going to internalize, oh, this is fine. So we just address it like, oh, hey, you know what? That doesn't line up with our family's values or that's not what God wants for us. And sometimes if it is a harder concept and they have lots more questions or if they have questions, my older kids have questions that would not be age appropriate for my younger kids. It is totally fine to kind of table it and be like, you know what, let me do a little research, and we'll circle back. So I don't want people to feel like they have to have all the answers to be prepared for any situation that could come up in a chapter book, because you can totally be like, I'm going to go hit the Google, and maybe call the pastor, and then we will talk about it. So that is, um, hopefully gives some confidence.
0: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, you know, I've spent more hours than I can count reading out loud to our five kids, and um, I'm excited to start reading uh, to our baby grandson as well. I've already started setting some books aside to share with him as he gets older. Um, but in all of our reading, as the kids were were growing up, um, they like to read the same story over and over and over again. Um, so can you give us uh, help us understand the value of repetition in reading to our kids?
2: Well, part of it is just getting the enjoyment, right? I mean, it's sort of the same reason why I watch the same rom-com every time my husband travels for work. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I know I'm going to love it. And kids feel the same way. They know they're going to love it. So why would they change? And I think that's great. What a, what a wonderful tradition that then they can look back on when they're bigger and be like, oh, my dad read me this book and I have it memorized.
0: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I I know for us I've got uh, several books on our shelf that are falling apart and and falling to pieces because those were always the go-to books for our kids. So you you would say we could we can encourage that um and and celebrate and enjoy that 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 just helps their uh grow their love for reading.
2: Oh yeah, I don't see any reason why not. And I think though too if your kids are really opposed to starting new books, you can always say, Oh, Hey, you know what? We're going to read this classic again. But before we read our chapter for tonight in this one that we've read 10 times, I'm going to read one page of this new book and start to make it sort of like, well, we'll do both. You know, we'll just, we'll start a new book and we'll see what you all think. And we'll just read one page. And then the next night, same thing, right? Like, Oh, we're going to read page two of this new book, but then I'll read the book you want to read. So you can, you can you know, work around it a little bit. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that
1: is a great idea. Uh, you know, for my son, um, really, and some of my other kids too, once they started school, they started to associate reading with homework, underlined work. <laughs> and that's why I love reading out loud with the kids because it takes it out of the have-to-do category and it puts it into the category of fun, quality time. Um, How have you personally seen reading out loud uh, as a way to grow your relationship with your kids?
2: I think that one of the like ways that jumped out to me the most is that a theme I try to draw out of almost every book we read aloud is that you can always come home and there is nothing our family can't figure out with Jesus. And that is... Well, it's in a lot of books, right? A lot of kids run away from in from home in books or they have really bad things happen and they are trying to get away from consequences and that type of thing. So when we try to just draw that theme out of every book and just hammer it home to our kids, you know what? You can always come home. We can figure it out with Jesus. You can always come home. We can figure it out with Jesus. I like popping into my mind immediately. I think of like the Lighthouse Family Series and the Boxcar Children is kind of a big one that you just try to get that theme into our kids, because that's so important. And then we did have, we had a runner. One of our kids was a runner and they stopped at the door every time and came to me suitcase in hand to be like, I was going to run away, but we can figure it out. And I don't know if it was reading from all those books and echoing that message over and over and over again, that they have decided not to pursue that, but it couldn't have hurt. Right. So I feel like that is just one of the most important things that I wanted my kids to know and books were really one of the only ways that I could get that message home over and over and over again.
1: Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I know uh, for one of our kids, his primary love language that's coming out is quality time. And as a mom, I, you know, you spin in all the plates, right, all the time. And I notice in myself that I'm not always very suitable. I'm not always very good at just setting my tasks aside and sitting down and making the eye contact and giving that concentrated, undivided attention. And so I know for my relationship with him, that reading time is a way where we're so focused and we're so together and we're so engaged 100% with each other that that's very um, – uh, good for his spirit and it builds actually some trust in him with me and i love it because when you're holding a book you can't hold your book and look at your phone at the same time you can't go load the dishwasher you're just so present so i i just love that about reading um but you know i think for a lot of us um our commitment to reading can just kind of crash into the reality of what our lives look like Uh, we are busy um And, you know, our budget can make buying new books seem out of reach for a lot of us. So for you, how do you create a consistent pattern of reading with your kids? And how do you go about bringing
2: new books into the
1: house without going broke?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So that's a great question. So I'm going to answer them in opposite order. Okay. But I will say that we utilize our library like crazy. So we have all the library apps downloaded on my phone. I have them on my husband's phone. He doesn't know it, but they're there and I use that. Um, So definitely don't be afraid to use all the free books. We also have chosen to give books instead of presents sometimes. So for example, we don't do Easter baskets. Our kids, they each get a book. One of their Christmas gifts at Christmas is a book. So that's another way that we kind of work it in. Instead of buying a present, we'll buy a book. That's like a present.
1: Oh, absolutely.
2: So we do that. And I will say I also buy used and encourage people to do that. Nothing wrong with that. You can find some really great used books, especially online now. You, know, you can get used books easily, easily. So in order to read consistency, my num- consistently, my number one tip is probably a little unexpected, but that is to choose a book that the reader, like mom or dad, really, really enjoys because that way that mom and dad are the ones who are like we're going to do this everybody come along let's do it. And so if the reader loves the book, then they're going to be more likely to bring up reading time and want to want to read aloud. So that is my number one tip. Another thing is to look for small places to read and to feel like you can start small. And I don't mean small books. I mean small doses of books like one page at a time. So you could say, you know what? In school pickup line, we are going to read one page of the wind in the willows every day. And that's okay. It's going to take you four months to get through the wind in the willows, but that is totally fine. And if you're just consistent at doing that and also praising the kids, every time you make it through like, Oh, great. We read exactly what I wanted to read today. We met our goal of reading one page of the wind in the willows. That is a really wonderful way to start. And it may encourage you to find other places that you can work some reading in.
3: Hey there, friends! We're interrupting this episode to make sure you know about a wonderful parenting resource that is available for you. Rob and Joanna Tygan of Growing Home Together are the parents of five kids, ranging in age from elementary school to high school to adult newlyweds. Over the years, they have learned how important it is to place their sons and daughters in God's hands, and how the power of prayer can make such a difference in their children's lives. Powerful prayers for your son and Powerful Prayers for Your Daughter are beautiful books that offer page after page of targeted prayers that cover every kind of challenge and hope your kids will face as they grow. Both of these books by Rob and Joanna Teigen are available for you at growinghometogether.com or wherever books are sold. Okay, friends, let's get back to the show.
0: So, uh, speaking of libraries, uh, summer is... uh coming around the corner and um, we've got uh, lots of opportunities to maybe read more so um, can you give us just maybe um, some of your favorite uh, preschool books or middle schooler books um, you know a few of your family favorites uh, so we can have some start our reading list for the summer
2: yes for sure so I'm gonna caveat this and say, favorite is a very strong word. I don't know if I can do it and say that these are my favorite favorites um, because I wanted to also highlight books that your listeners have probably not heard of before. So you're going to notice like Chronicles of Narnia, not on my list, still an excellent book, right? So I would say if you are starting very young, preschool, toddler, something like that, the Digby O'Day series by Shirley Hughes. It is lovely. It's about, it's an illustrated series. It's a dog who drives a motorcycle and a race car. It's great. My kids were obsessed with it, right? Mm-hmm. Dogs, race cars, pictures, lovely. Our favorite audiobook, because we also really like audiobooks. And if you are feeling the time crunch, audiobooks are a wonderful option. Our favorite audiobook series in that preschool toddler age was the Mrs. Piggle Wiggle series by Betty McDonald, which is a classic but those are lovely and just very silly and have fun little lessons. If you're going into kind of early elementary or even preschool through early elementary, the adventures of Sophie mouse series by Poppy green is a really beautiful series, sort of illustrated like a couple illustrations per chapter. And it's about a mouse family. And Sophie goes to school and has very, normal kid adventures which are fun and her um her family is just darling and exactly what we want our family to be like and our favorite audio book for that age it was the three ring rascals series by kate kleiss because it is fully narrated like different people do different characters and then if we go even older a little bit older the wilder king trilogy by jonathan rogers is a retelling of the story of, of King David from the Bible, but it is told in sort of like a swashbuckling mountain man kind of way and is just wonderful. That's There's three books in that series. And then an audio book for that age is The Doll People by Anne M. Martin. And the main character in the book is a, an, a doll who's an eight-year-old girl, but she's a, like a toy doll um but that series that there's a series of that but that series is good for both genders even though it's about dolls and toys and stuff don't be put off by the cover it's for everybody so those are those are probably my top ones that I think are wonderful and great for all families and I will also say we have a wide age range of children and I would feel comfortable with any of my children hearing any of those books
0: okay that's a that's a great Great list to start with, so thank you. Um, so I know at our house've I've seen a real connection between my son's screen time and his interest in books. For one thing, the more he plays video games, the less patience, patient he is to for the slow process that reading takes. And so when he seems out of focus or stressed, I've also noticed that that kind of screens tend to ramp that up. But it's it's been amazing how reading also has such a calming and centering effect for him, too. So I know you've addressed this issue um, on screen addiction, some in your writing. So what kind of advice can you give us as parents to keep screen time in balance in our homes?
2: Oh, man, this is a toughie. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so it's so hard. I would say part of it is just keeping an eye open and being honest with yourself about your own screen usage, because that will help you figure out where the holes in your schedule are or the holes in your relationship are that are letting your kids have these big chunks of time on screens. I know for myself, when I am like, oh, I really want to watch that latest episode. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys go play Kirby on the Nintendo or whatever, because I, I want to be on my screen. So I know that for me, turning it back on myself and being like, can I keep my own screen usage under control helps so much with then being able to notice when I'm letting the kids have too much screen time and curbing that and helping us to do more family things or even just redirect them to do something else.
1: that's That's a good word because it isn't just a kid problem. It's a whole family issue to be addressed for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're trying to teach our son kind of rhythms. Like we go from book time to outside time and then maybe to screen time and then circle around again. And I think that that's been helping him rather than expecting him to binge on a book for an hour and then let him binge on screens. But, yeah, it's something Mm -hmm. that we never can really let our guard down because it creeps in, doesn't it?
2: (laughs) It does. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And hey, um, I've got to be a little honest today. I, I've been noticing my own internal reaction when my son picks out a book at the library that seems to be below his maturity or reading level. And the teacher mom and me just wants him all the time to be stretched and challenged. Um, but I know that reading is about so much more than just moving up some kind of a scale. So I just love the way that you encourage us to really let go of those reading levels that are assigned to the books on the shelf. And I was hoping that you could tell us more about that.
2: Sure. So, I mean, you basically summed it up as far as there's more to life than reading levels. And so when you are letting your kids choose books, a lot of times just choose, they should just choose what they like, what they enjoy. So for our family, it's a lot of graphic novels. We read so many graphic novels and my kids just drink them up. So we read a lot of those, even though, you know, it's not like I'm going to be like, oh, the literary genius of dog man. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you live in my world. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's okay. It's all right. You, you know, they sit down and they love it and there's nothing in it that doesn't fit with our family values. So it's like, great. Yeah. Read some of that. So, I mean, I think you really sounded up that just, especially for fun reading it's like whatever whatever you will get to sit down and read and enjoy and maybe we'll choose something a little harder for a read aloud or an audio book I will also say one of the big things if you follow me on social media I say it like probably once a week to an excessive amount but YA or young adult is not a reading level YA is a genre So as your children get older to like 12, 13, 14, and you're ready for the next harder type of book, it doesn't mean that they should just go crazy in the YA section. Because YA is not a reading level. Some of them are written at like a sixth, seventh, eighth grade level. Some are written higher at a more grown up level. But it's a a genre of book that is normally has some things that we would want to be on guard with when our children are being exposed to them, things that we want to have conversations about. And so that is my main reading level advice, I guess is YA is not one. It is not a reading level. It is a genre of book.
1: Okay. Well, that is super helpful. Yeah. Cause we're just about there for sure at our house. Um, And really, you know, something that really helped me face this is that uh, when I read with my kids, I'm reading below my reading level and I love it. <laughs> and so that's mm-hmm. one of the best parts of parenting is it almost gives you a permission slip to go back and read the really, really fun things. Right. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, I know that as Christ following parents, we want to disciple our kids to know and to love Jesus. And so books are just a simple and powerful way we can do that in our homes. So can you share with us a time that a book helped you kind of teach your kids a greater understanding of who God is?
2: Sure. So I mentioned the three ring Rascals series by Kate Kleiss and that series of books has a character who shows so much grace and grace is maybe not one of my strongest points they tend to be very goal-oriented, type A. Let's just do it. We're all going to do what's right. It's going to be fine. And reading those books to my children was just so eye-opening for myself because I, when I, when we first read them, I was like, oh, no, maybe, maybe they were too forgiving. I don't know. Maybe there was just too much forgiveness and too much grace. And that was really eye-opening for myself as far as like, Oh but that's not how God is. There is there is no too forgiving and too much grace. And so that that was eye opening for me and that was a series that really opened up some good conversations even with my very young kids to be like, "Oh hey, look at that. Look at how he let them come back and he forgave them. That is exactly how Jesus is with us." And we know that it doesn't matter what we do. We try to do our best, but we will all fail. And God will still forgive us.
1: That's just an absolutely precious moment that would have been unforgettable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, you know, your site is such a great resource for us, Kristen. And you don't just recommend and review books for kids, but for parents, too. And I was wondering if there is a certain book that you've been reading right now or recently that's helping you in your
2: life as a mom. So (laughs) this is not a Christian book, (laughs) but I just finished um the lazy genius method which is like kind of how to hack your life to be more chill (laughs) 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 kind of the way i describe it and uh i need a little more chill so that has been really good and just like little things that i hadn't thought of before like when i make the kids lunches for school the next day i also make the little kids lunches for school and like they have their own little lunchbox even though they're at home with me I just make them all the night before and I'm like this is brilliant this is why I need the lazy genius method wow. that's fantastic
0: I think you need to go on and order that book right now <laughs> yeah, is way more chill. <laughs> we just got back from our anniversary and it's been a long time since we had just a week together and like we were like okay we need to come back and implement this rest into our lives and like We really, I don't know. We, we, (laughs) I think we
1: got 30 minutes out of that goal. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. We jumped
0: back home and full bore, and we're like, oh gosh, we got some work to do. So pick that book up. Yeah, I will pick that book
1: up. Thank you. (laughs) Um,
0: but, uh, you know, I think I've told listeners before that, um, I was, didn't start enjoying reading and, um, until college, until I was college age. And I'm, I'm thankful that my, my kids uh, did not wait until they were in their twenties before they started enjoying books and, and reading. But um, if you could just name one thing that could help our kids fall in love with reading, that's a I know that's a loaded question, but you know what what would it be?
2: I would say to um, give them options that aren't really options. So, for example, I will say things like, "Oh, hey guys, we can either go out and weed the flower bed." or you could read two pages of your summer reading book and I'll make a bunch of popcorn for you while you do it. So
0: That's like, brilliant. <laughs>
2: yeah, totally.
0: <explain laughs> I'm like, okay, I've been a parent a long time. Why didn't I think of something like that?
2: <laughs> so when they're faced with those options, it's sort of like, yeah, sure, mom, we'll read two pages of this book while you make popcorn instead of weeding the flower beds. I love
1: it. <laughs> One thing that I have fun with is, that I mean, I love to read out loud, but... um I've been asking my son to read to me. And so I've noticed if he has a new library book from school in his backpack on the way home from school, I'll ask him to just start reading it out loud to me. Um, So what are some ways that we can kind of engage creatively with our kids besides just getting the words out and having them take them in through their ears?
2: Sure. So I think that is a great one, right? Having them read aloud is a really good option. And I've had, my son has recently started doing that with our read aloud chapter book because he wanted, he, we weren't getting through it fast enough (laughs) and he wanted to know how it was going to end. So that's a great option. Another fun thing that we do is I call it rock and rest. So we'll play rock and roll music really loud in the backyard and they just run around like crazy and jump on the trampoline or whatever until the rock and roll music stops and I turn it off. And change it to an audiobook. And then we just all lay there and listen to the audiobook together. And so that's kind of a fun way to get out a bunch of energy for a little bit and then relax and listen to our book. Also, if you have somebody who likes to draw, if you have kids who like to draw, like they don't have to just sit there when you're reading. One of the things I like about reading is like snuggling. But if your kids aren't into that, pull out the play-doh. Let them play with play-doh while you read aloud or color. And it, you can kind of direct it, right? And be like, why don't you color the scene of Winnie the Pooh or whatever? But we don't have to. They could color whatever. And that can be a fun way to keep them engaged with the book, but maybe not quite so sitting still.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I remember when my son was first becoming independent in his reading, something that helped him was actually to read to the dog and our dog seemed to know when it was reading time and she'd jump up on the couch and put his chin in our son's lap. And it was so funny how just having the dog as an audience made him way more willing to sit with a book than if it had been me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yep. So gosh, we, um, we really appreciate all that you're sharing today. And, um, you know, I know that there's parents listening today who who really do want to go deeper in reading with their kids and they want that closer connection with their child. They want to learn more of what it means to disciple them in their faith. Um, And I was just hoping that you would be willing to pray for the parents listening who, who carry that kind of burden about these things. Yes, I would. Let's pray.
2: Dear heavenly father, thank you so much that You have created writers who can make amazing books. Thank you for giving them that gift and for making them willing to be brave and write these stories that we can share with our children. I pray for all the parents who are reading to their kids. I pray that you will help give them words when hard things come up, and I pray that you will help them know where to turn for help when they have things that they want to talk to their kids about they don't know how to talk about. And mostly, I pray that you will bless these relationships so that they can disciple their children and bring them to you. I pray that you will bless their time together. Thank you for giving us our kids. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Kristen. Um, today, I know we've just scratched the surface of some of the great resources and advice that you share uh, with families. Can, can you tell us where we can go um, and connect with you online?
2: Sure. So I'm on social media, Facebook and Instagram at Big Books Little Ears. You, you can mainly find me though on my website, bigbookslittleears.com. And I will make um, a separate page that has listed all of the books that I mentioned today, because I know for me personally, when I listen to a podcast and they say a book, I'm never like sitting somewhere where I can write it down. I'm like driving or something. So if you go to bigbookslittleears.com and search for growing home in the search bar, it will take you straight to a page where I will list all these book titles that I talked about. And the main way that I connect with my audience is my email list. So you can also sign up for my email list there.
0: Thank you so much. That's great. Uh, We really appreciate you being with us today and giving this insight and encouragement. I know when our son gets home from school today, I'm going to say, would you like to go out and pick up the dog poop or read for an hour? And um, so I've already learned so much. So, uh, so, but we, we really appreciate you and thank you for coming on the show today.
2: Oh, well, thank you for having me. It was my
1: pleasure. Yeah, it's been great. And I love it when your emails land in my inbox, there's always something great in there. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And thank you two friends for joining us here on the show today. We would love to connect with you over on our website at growinghometogether.com and also at Rob's website, laughoutloudjokesforkids.com, where you will find a huge collection of wholesome and funny joke books to share with your kids. Rob writes as Rob Elliott, and he knows the power of humor to get your kids excited about reading and to pull you closer to your kids. At Growing Home Together, we're caring for the soul of your family.
0: And growing home together with you. Bye.
1: Bye.